Hello and welcome to Veer and Bites, your regular digital marketing PR podcast that has its eyes trained firmly on the financial services sector. That's right, it doesn't get more niche than this. You've got me, Amy Rowe, and you've got Michael Taggart. Say hello, Michael. Hello, Michael. And today we're going to be talking a little bit about cybercrime and what would happen if banks opened up about attacks as they're happening. We've also got an interview with Jamie Campbell, Head of Customer Experience at Fintech App Bud, an app that gathers up all your other apps and puts them all in one place. Listen out for that later. But first, we've got beers. This week, actually, Michael, we've got something rather special to share, haven't we? We have, yeah. We've got uh, two really nice beers, guaranteed nine out of teners, because we got them from the lovely Martin Bamford of Informed Choice, who we went a-visiting during the week. Hi, hi, Martin. Hi, Martin, and hi, Nick, too. Hi, Nick. Thank you very much, Nick Bamford and Martin Bamford. Right, Michael, I think I'm going to let you go first. What have you got there? Well, I'm drinking a wild beer... It's called. It's called a wild beer. It's from the Wild Beer Company, and it's called the beer company is called the Wild Beer Company because they use wild mm. yeast or wild oats wild or something. Wild yeast. Have you yeah. read your tasting notes properly? Wh- oh no, it does. It is wild yeast. It, it, that is made out of wild yeast. I wonder what the difference is between wild yeast and not wild yeast. Just, there we go, showing our lack of knowledge there about beer brewing. I think most beers are made with the yeast in small cages in factories. Just. <laughs> sort of picking at seeds this is free range yeast yeah this is free range yeast but this one's called millionaire and it's made from salted caramel which i like chocolate which i love and milk stout which i'm ecstatic about and they put it they've managed to squeeze those three ingredients into one bottle so i'm going in ready martin bamford (laughs) you've come up with something beautiful Uh, I wish I'd had that one, actually. I love salted caramel. I've got two horses, which actually I, I picked because I seem to remember Martin saying earlier this week, this one's good, so I'm looking forward to it. Uh, it's uh, brewed by the Firebird Brewing Company. It's described as a, fas- uh, a fantastic session ale. and very. Ooh, I like a session ale. What? I like a session ale. It's called, it's called a session ale because it's got low alcohol, isn't it? Yes, you yeah. just drink loads of it. And it's said that it's produced in Rudwick, and apparently it's a big tasting beer that packs flavour without the strength. So let's see if it lives up to that description. Any good? Oh, it, it is absolutely gorgeous. I know it really, really is something I would enjoy drinking very much all afternoon, all evening, and all the night. following morning. <laughs> Thank you, Martin and Nick. Really appreciate this. This is absolutely delicious. Cheers, guys. Cheers. <laughs> Cybercrime netted a humongous £360 billion in profits last year, with two billion records lost or stolen worldwide. Some 100 million of us had their health data stolen the previous year, and a raft of stories just seemed to break every week here in the UK about fraudsters using the internet to attack financial services companies. And it, it was only this week, wasn't it, that we heard how that IFA firm, John Lamb Financial Planning, had its website cloned in an attempted fraud. Michael, we've covered fraud a lot on this podcast, but you've been freshly taken aback, haven't you, by a recent TED Talk about cybercrime. And this is a speech given by IBM's Vice President of Security, Caleb Barlow. So can you tell us what he said about the scale of the problem and how it's affecting financial services in particular? 
Well, the message of that speech, Amy, and it was a really great, fascinating speech, was that cybercrime is totally out of control. So that £360 billion figure that you just um, talked about there, that's actually larger than the gross national product of 160, that's 160 nation states, so including ones that you'd think that were reasonably well off, like um, Denmark, Finland, and, and closer to home, Ireland. So um, what happens normally in our industry, financial services, when companies are attacked they claim they often claim, believe it or not, that there's some sort of espionage going on, or that another nation state has attacked them, like Russia, because they believe that that sort of explanation will keep the regulator at bay because it's difficult to defend against something so big, and they actually think it just won't make them look so bad. When what is actually going on a lot of the time is they just don't have very good defences. In fact, eighty percent of this type of activity is conducted by criminal gangs. It's actually one of the, the largest illegal economies in the world. This is actually a, uh, a techie, quite a techie discipline. How does it actually work? Well, there's some really dire examples actually in financial services. And, and this guy Barlow talked about an operation that was called Direwolf. So no massive secret there, Amy, about the malign intentions of, of, of that particular Trojan Can I Trojan quickly horse. interject? I really like the names they give these things. Direwolf, it, it sounds like a really 1980s fun. cop show, doesn't it? <laughs> Sorry, continue. But it, it, these are Trojan bits of software, yeah. sort of viruses, um, and they get into your computer via what we call phishing emails. So guys, if you're listening, please don't click the links on these emails just don't ever click links you get you'll get you'll get these sorts of things on your computer and what happens was it would if they, they logged onto their online banking it basically copied their credentials and used them to steal money from their accounts and this is actually common it's much more common than you'd think um, and then there's more sophisticated operations which replicate banking websites and even the, these these operations set up fake call centers with english-speaking people on the end of the line um and they get you to ring them up and it sounds really authentic and they're doing mm. this to steal your money mm. that's really organized uh are you te you'll be telling me next that they're doing uh they've got 95 jobs and they've got you know they're on the auto enrollment scheme and etc and all the other things that come with having a 95 job um actually amy yeah they do they do work nine to five no yep they work nine to five Monday to Friday, they go home at the weekend to see their their wives or husbands and children. It's it's sounds basically like it no, sounds no. like a respectable <laughs> job. I'm sure there's actually career progress progression, but there's probably bonuses. There's pro there's probably uh, you know paintballing, probably and, recruitment. Whole recruitment agencies on the dark yeah, web. But do you know how we know this? Because actually the, mm. the there are spikes in this sort of malware being sold, mm. distributed, and used. On, in, in office hours on Monday to Friday and it completely dies down in the evening at the weekends. That's so, disturbing. So it just gives you an, an insight into how organised and and how um, established this sort of activity is. But hang on, they can't be they they can't be operating in broad daylight and you know in an office like like ours at MRM. Okay, so this is where it does get a bit technical. They use a thing called the dark web, which is not a Batman film. It's um you know what the dark web is right? Yes, I do. I've never been on it though. This no, is no, a, no. a part of the web, and uh, uh, and if you read about it, you'll discover that it's most of the World Wide Web that doesn't, you can't get to it through Google. It's in the anonymized you underbelly. You have to turn around three times and snap your hands or something to get so onto it. So there's no place like home. Yeah, it's, um, <laughs> it's the, it's the, it really is the underbelly of the web. It's where a lot of illegal activity goes on. Um, 
but this activity does take place on the dark web and it's when you actually get get into it and have a look at what's going on you'll be tr it'll blow your mind mm. how well organized it is so you can as an individual go to websites that look like amazon and ebay and buy products that will help you attack other companies and hack into oh. them so you don't have to be a hacker you just want to hack yeah well you will be a hacker if you hack but you don't necessarily have, have to, to have that. a load of technical um, abilities and you can buy products the products are listed in sort of gold silver and bronze packages some of them believe it or not according to this uh, ted talk they have money back guarantees so if you buy a, a, a great product that's cost you a fortune and you go to sort of hack a bank and get hundred thousand pounds and it doesn't work you can get your money back oh which God. is amazing the people selling them are just like ebay sellers apart from the fact they're totally anonymous so there's they've got um people recommending them they've got people reviewing the service and giving them sort of four or five stars they've actually even got licensing agreements with people buying this software and legal agreements so you, you could theoretically be sued by one of these people if you copy their software absolutely fascinating this actually see this is, this is incredible because it's, it seems much bigger than we the the general public know how the hell can you stop that kind of progress right so the crux of this talk uh, and this is what mr barlow really wanted to get across is that the city of london and people in financial services mm. instead of when they get hacked or when they get attacked cyber attacked instead of keeping it to themselves because they're worried about what their customers will think and what their rival companies will think that they actually share that information immediately so he likens it to if there's an outbreak of ebola or in a country or a big there's a big health scare the way that's dealt with is loads of organizations group together and immediately share information where's the virus from how is it transmitted where how can we contain it who's mm. got it now where is it headed so you treat the cyber viruses in exactly the same way and by sharing that information that's the only way to basically attack this vastly um, lucrative economy i really love that idea you know i do but I can't see HSBC, for example, at any one time sending a little message to their customers. So we had a Trojan in today. Da, da, da. All the data's gone. But don't worry. We've told everybody else about it. Just hang tight. No. I just can't see it happening. But I do believe this is a brilliant idea. It is. It needs a brave first mover. And it might be an, a company that's listening to this podcast now. But mm. it does need a company to say, this is what we want to do. Is, is anyone prepared to do this with yeah. us? And the, the benefit overall will, will be there for the, the City of London. Seems like we do have the opportunity to badly damage the cybercrime economy. And we even know how. We'd really be interested in people's views on this. Uh, you could tweet us at MRM Digital. That's MRM Digital. Michael, where can people hear that talk? Oh, well, if you're interested, it's quite simple to get to it. So just log on to TED.com. There's a quite a prominent search bar in the top right of the screen. And type in the name of the speaker, who's, who's Caleb, C-A-L-E-B, Barlow. We've got Jamie Campbell, Head of Customer Experience at Banking App Bud in the studio with us. Jamie, thanks for joining us. Thank you very much for having me. And uh, just, just to kick off, can you tell us sort of in a nutshell exactly what Bud does? 
So Bud Wars started um, because 30 years ago, my dad could walk into a bank and talk to someone there who had a full understanding of my dad's finances and could help him get through um, some, some issues or could recommend some products for my dad uh, to use his money, save his money, invest his money. That one-to-one relationship has, has really gone, um, especially for you know young people, young professionals. So what Bud is aiming to do is create a banking app which brings together fintech services, um, other financial services in one app, as well as a clever way of you know, assisting people with their money. So whether that's suggesting new ways to save, um, whether that's helping them achieve goals through um, different push notifications, uh, or suggesting products which would help them save money. So forgive me for the for the crudeness of this. You you guys are like the Expedia of financial services, something like that. You can do everything all in one if you wanted to. We integrate these uh, financial products through APIs. So um, you know, within Bud, you can go in and transfer some money to a foreign exchange. You know, using a foreign exchange service like World First, or you could go in and remortgage your house using a service like Habito. So what's a what's a chap like you doing in the the big bad world of financial services? What <laughs> what drew you in? Um, a a small group of friends, I would say. Um, so my I am the uh, the head of customer experience at Bud, uh, but the company was started by two people: Ed, who's the CEO, and George, the CTO. They've been friends for years, probably sixteen years, and George is my housemate. Um, and we've been friends for a, for a very long time as well. So when George and Ed were, you know, figuring out how all of this could work, it was happening on our couch, on mine and George's couch. Um, so I got hints of what was going on every now and then, you know, when I was trying to eat my dinner and they were, you know, plotting and scheming kind of in the corner. Um, but when it came to um, in, when would it be? It'd be October 2015. Ed was um, invited or he w- he wanted to go to Web Summit to float this idea for the first time in front of, you know, a, the tech audience. So he asked me to join him and George to help out because, you know, I was probably a, the only one in the world, you know, other than those two who knew who knew about the, the product and the and the dream that they were trying to trying to achieve. So we went over, um, which was the Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. In, in Dublin, and then I handed in my resignation on Friday. The response was so great, and everyone seemed to understand that this was a banking product that should exist. Um, and the challenge was exciting enough for me to leave what I was doing, which was in advertising and design, and, and, and make the move. You, you've conjured quite an interesting image there, Jamie, the three of you in the house watching friends and whatever it is you're watching <laughs> and building this app and actually it's um it's an image we've heard a few times on the podcast because we've got we've had quite a few people in who are building financial services apps and it does strike me that it's it, there is a new generation of people involved in financial services um so it, it used to be um you know your your sort of cambridge graduate your oxbridge graduate with a background in academic finance what sort of people do you think now are kind of in, infiltrating financial services. Is it people like yourself? Well, I, I can talk for myself and you know some of the some of the team that that, that I work with. Um, you know, Ed is from 
Salesforce, um, so not financial services. George is a senior developer who's worked in kind of creative agencies making beautiful uh, websites. I'm from an ad background. Um, I think startups in general attract a different type of person. So you have marketing managers who are doing video blogs and writing content. You have developers who are incredible creative problem solvers, CEOs who are now regulation experts. Um, and I think that's the that's the grind and the and the and the expertise that's needed to succeed. You can see, um, just moving away from startup at the moment and talking about banks and the traditional sort of person that works at a bank. If banks were really going to try and compete, right, um, in the future with with smart apps with with wonderful user experiences such as yourselves and others, are banks going to have to seriously reinvent the way they recruit or the or the way that actually? Th- th- their staff work i mean is is that something that they'd have to do they're just too big they're too big to do what a startup does it's i think it's probably the same people and i think you'll find a number of people in banks who are seeing opportunities putting in requests to try and solve a problem or, or address a need um and it either getting denied or it getting accepted but suddenly it's got a three-year lead time for a project um, we were at uh, Alan, who's our head of partnerships. We went to a, a very a fascinating morning meeting a few months ago. And some of the insights from people at top banks and insurance companies, um, you know, big, big players, saying that sometimes, you know, the management, upper management kill a project, but keep the people working on it because they haven't got anything else for them to move on to. So just moving on to how you're, kind of going to go to market i mean you've come on to the best digital marketing podcast <laughs> in the country already which is definitely a good move but what what else are you, i mean are you, are you talking to journalists are you going to trade shows how are the public going to find out about pe- apps like yours yeah so we um a lot of our acquisition is through through pr um through through journalists we're actually an official partner of fintech Fortnite coming up uh, in february uh, we're going to be entertaining a lot, of, a lot of a lot of press during that time and talking a lot about Bud's vision and the movement of the financial service sector, you know, as a whole due to regulation and and a, and a number of things into this more open banking way of of doing things. Um, but our awareness is 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 across multiple different channels. We you know we focus a lot on video, making sure that content is easily digestible, fun. We, we I went to see the uh, head of content for BuzzFeed do a talk, and he made an excellent point, which was even men in suits like cat videos. Yeah, and I think there's something about getting someone's attention, always with a purpose, always with a you know a way that ties back to we can help you save money or we can help you achieve financial goals. You know, recently just in January, because January is all about health and beauty, really, isn't it? Getting back into shape or treating yourself well. We uh, have been interviewing a an ex Team GB athlete who's a personal trainer and a life coach and getting little morsels from him about how the similarities between fitness and finance you know they're so acute it's 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 remarkable so now you have all these you know fitbits and i'm wearing an apple watch which track your movements and tell you to stand up and tell you to breathe and you know do all these things for your health but there isn't anything like that for your wealth and i think that is something that's interesting because 
with your fitness if you can track it then you can change it and the same thing goes for your um for your for your finances so we yeah we focus more on media that is easily digestible for for people when we're talking about media and stuff, obviously we've been reading your blogs, loving your blogs, by the way. Thank you. Um, but there was one um, article on coffee that caught my my eyes particularly because <laughs> I love my coffee. Um, and I bet you do too. I do. Yes. I'm drinking a coffee right now. <laughs> um, but I'm going to ask you a bit, of a, a bit of a killer question. Is that most, most of these saving money bloggers and things, when we talk about coffee, they'll talk about, you know, just take your... You shouldn't be buying coffee at all. It's three pounds... A pop and you should sort of be taking a little flask of terribly depressing instant coffee <laughs> into work but your blog actually one did a did a 180 or i'd say and, and sort of listed out all the best and probably most expensive coffee shops in london yeah i think when we were you know we we were kind of racking our brains thinking how are we going to get people to you know really resonate with something that a lot of people don't want to come to terms with it which is how much money do you actually spend every month on I coffee? I definitely don't want to come to terms with that. Uh, <laughs> and um, so we went on the street and we, there's a little film as well. We did we did one-on-one interviews with people in the street, which is quite amusing because, um, you know, ranging from people spending £100 a month to people spending £5 a month um, on on coffee. And talking more to people, you know, yes, you can save money by kind of making coffee at home or an espresso, but for some people, going out and getting coffee is a little treat that you do when you're at work and the insight that we kind of rolled with was well if you're going to treat yourself these are the bloody places to do it and if you're in these areas go you know go nuts and, i disagreed and, and with grind <laughs> sorry if you're listening grind, oh london grind gone, gone okay. right off grind recently How too you? noisy too noisy yeah it is quite noisy but, but i agree with you on the, co- uh, the coffee front because i think this is because ties into something that we talked to um a couple of people about which is buying experiences or mm. You know, really getting the most out of what you buy. Don't wh- why waste it on something that's below par when you can go go along to grind and get a kind of beautiful cup of gold happiness. That's exactly it. And I think you know, Ed, he would talk to you for probably hours on the perceived value of your daily coffee versus you know, if you did that every you know, if you hourly spe- coffee or hourly coffee. Well, yeah, exactly. So you know, the perceived value of going and getting those those coffees. Whereas if you didn't get those coffees, maybe you could get a trip to Prague or, or something. And th- and the perceived value of that and how mm. that first hit and that first, you know, that I need to spend a bit of money to treat myself daily adds up to something big. But the value is is, is different. Actually, on that adds up to something big, because there's been a couple of people that are talking about this. So it's, again, with money bloggers, that a lot of the time is sort of incremental savings. Are we really going to solve the big crisis on our hands particularly people around the age of 35 and 45 or even younger the fact that the pensions gap and all that kind of stuff are we really going to solve the problem by telling them not to have their coffee (laughs) no i don't i don't think so but i think there are you know there are products out there which are there to help people who spend to round up their money and and save i think those types of products are interesting because they fit nicely into a consumer behavior which is i buy you know quite a lot of small things throughout the day I probably have 15 to 16 transactions a day all under 10 pounds um you know and if there was an opportunity presented to me where I could round off some of those transactions into a savings pot it kind of fits nicely into my lifestyle rather than at the start of every month shifting 200 quid into a savings account um you know 
for some people that just doesn't that just doesn't work uh will it solve a pension problem i don't don't think so uh but i think if people can be slightly more aware of you know their finances then sure you need to you know you need to get people to start thinking about the future earlier um and you need to um educate them in the different ways in which they can they can they can do that and i think that's again something that we're you know we're trying to address if you have a bonus for instance come into your account go out and buy you know whatever it is you want a fur coat or a brand new pair of shoes i mean i got a pair of new shoes on now and nice they are though our, our listeners can't see them <laughs> I, uh, just but uh, describe them as beautiful i think <laughs> but um a brogish boot <laughs> it is a brogish boot um you know but the the resisting that temptation to take that bonus and slam it on a you know beautiful pair of brogue boots <laughs> or put it into a pension or an investment fund or or whatever it is so that that is you know well used for for the future you know those types of scenarios getting a bonus getting a pay rise are things that you know bud the platform can detect and you know eventually we will be adding services and and little pings to people to say you know amazing this is something that's out of the ordinary you know do you want to do something do you want to do something with it do you want to kind of put it towards the future or or is that not in your interest so again it's 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 trying to help people be more savvy and more um more sensible with their with their money okay i think we're um unfortunately we're running out of time we always seem to run out of time way too quickly <laughs> on this program but there is one question that i think our listeners will be dying for me to ask you and that is it's a yes no thing i think but have you yet had that angry letter from budweiser no not yet but do you think it's coming no we actually hold the european trademark for bud okay and um and we have i i'm pretty sure we put in our um our request for the us as well for but within the world of finance and technology. So nothing yet, and hopefully nothing in the future. Again, listeners can't see this, but there are lots of fingers being crossed in this studio. At the <laughs> yeah, hopefully Bud is here to stay definitely in Europe, and you know we'll see if we can make the, the trip across the Atlantic. Jamie, it's been fantastic to, to have you in the studio. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, where can people find out more about Bud? So many places. You can head to thisisbud.com, uh, where you can actually sign up now and 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 start using start using Bud. We launched our kind of financial services marketplace a few weeks ago, so do kind of jump on there and try it out. Or you could get in contact with us on Twitter, which is this underscore is underscore Bud. Um, we're on Instagram at the same at the same address, or you can check us out on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash this is Bud. And that's it. Thank you. Thank you very much. What an amazing episode we just delivered to you. If you really liked it or just thought it was mediocre, either way, please give us five-star reviews on... um, The internet. The internet. Thanks. You know where to go. (laughs) We're also on Twitter at MRM Digital. That's it for now. Cheers. Cheers.